she's like my best friend, really. And we were actually sitting in this diner in Beverly Hills, and we were right by the window. Um, and it was so bizarre, can you imagine? I'm sitting with Francine in this diner in Beverly Hills, and I start noticing people just running down the street. I mean, just, you know, and I'm like, did you see that? You know, yeah. And then we see more people running down the street. And then more people running down the street. And we're like, okay, something weird is going on, you know? And so we broke dinner early. I told her, I said, I don't know why all these people are running down the street, but I think we better get home, you know? Yeah. And so sent her off home. And, yeah, that was the night that the riots broke out. I think I got home and, like, the riots, like, broke out, like, an hour later. I mean, I barely got home. When you say riots, you mean, like, Rodney King? Huh? The Rodney King riots? What riots are we talking about? Okay. And during the riots, there were people going from house to house to house. And if you especially had white people in your building, which you can imagine, I'm in Sherman Oaks at this time. It's nothing but old, old white people or old Jewish people. So they were going like from building to building and lighting them on fire. And, you know, I'm terrified because it's just me and the baby. I don't have a gun in the house, but um, we had men in the building who did, and they took up like a patrol of the building during the riots and kept us safe. I mean, there were houses burning on either side of us, but we were kept safe because these men basically took up patrol with guns. This is where we get into the Second Amendment and the right to form a militia because there was no police. And this is the scary part we're hearing on the news. We're hearing, don't bother calling the police, don't bother calling an ambulance. And if you're white, stay indoors. I'm like, oh, shit, you know. So we cowered in fear, and that's when you realize you need a gun. I mean, this is why I'm adamant about this. We had no police, we had no ambulance, and there were maniacs running around stomping on white people. You know, that famous thing of the guy that got drug out of the truck and his head stomped on. I mean, that made you just terrified to leave the house, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, thank God for guns at that point. And then, oh, yeah, you know. And then I started getting these letters from this guy in Nebraska. And, yeah, his name was John. And he saw me on Donahue. Now, I'm I'm no kidding. I'm throwing his letters away, and I'm going, okay, I got a lunatic. And then, of course, he sent me a picture of himself, which to me, the picture that he sent me, I thought he looked exactly like Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin. I just was like, oh, my God, he's hunky. Wow. <laughs> I mean, like, shit, you. who is this guy? I mean, you know, I not what I expected. I thought he was some nerdy, weird-looking guy, right? And nah, I didn't think you look like Robert Plant. Jesus Christ, who's this, you know? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So everybody's agreeing with me. They thought he was kind of hunky. Even Sharon thought he was handsome, you know? John had actually sent me some flowers and an invitation to dinner. He had overnighted it from Nebraska. (laughs) This guy, man. And I thought it was sweet. He sent like a dozen roses and this sweet card inviting me to dinner. And he goes, you can say no if you want, but he goes, I'm coming to L.A. anyway. And he goes, when I get there, I'm, you know, you can come to dinner with me or not. And I'm like, you're going to love this. The day that he landed in LAX to come to L.A. to take me to dinner 
was the day of the OJ uh, chase. So he lands in LAX, and we can't get him out of the airport. All the highways are shut down because OJ is driving up and down the highway with the police after him. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah, I made a crack about welcome to LA, John. Because, you know? <laughs> yeah, it comes to LA the date that all hell's breaking loose with OJ, right? When he came up um, to LA, you know, that day, and we finally got him back to the apartment, he walked in. He walked into our apartment. Gabriella, she had never, I mean, I bring him into the apartment. Gabby's, you know, in the apartment with my mom. She sees him. She runs up to him and throws her arms around him. It was like daddy's home. I mean, she just took to him like nothing. I couldn't believe it. Well, okay, the kid likes you, you know. Um, so, yeah, we just it, we kind of had this impasse until the earthquake and the riots. So, yeah, and then the earthquake hit, and that just was like the last straw. Yeah, that's crazy. Do you, I mean, how, how was that? Were you sleeping? I mean, what what was going on? When the earthquake hit, all the plumbing went one way and the building went another, and that was it. My my apartment was completely annihilated. And they teach you to stand in the doorway. So I stood in the front doorway until it was over. And, like, the whole back wall of my apartment is gone. I can now see out into the parking lot, you know? Wow. But what happened after the earthquake with no power... We had no way to even cook food. We couldn't get uh, gasoline out of the pump because the pumps were electronically powered. So we couldn't put any gas in our car. We couldn't get any money out of an ATM. I mean, it was a crazy time, as you can imagine, right? So when the power went down and the phones went down, that meant you had no way of calling the police. And then the looting started. So again, we were able to protect the building with the guys with the guns, the militia. So, I mean, it was, again, thank God for the guns. I'm bringing this up because both during the riots and the earthquakes, I experienced a breakdown in society. So that was that was where John was like, are you done with L.A. yet? You know? True story. I'll tell you a true story. I don't know what to do. He's saying, come marry me and come to Nebraska. Gabby will be happy. Get her out of the city. I mean, he's really sales-pitching me Nebraska, right? Yeah. Gabby was still sleeping on the couch and still jumping in my arms every time the earth moved. And I finally just said, you know what, John? Let's do it. Just just get your ass out here. Let's do it. Okay. You know? You know, but then John was all like gung-ho. He's like, I'll come get you. We'll get married in Vegas. You'll be married by the time we hit Blair, Nebraska. You know? And he's promised me the moon. I'll get you the house. I'm right behind you all the way. What was the wedding like with him? Well, our real wedding was we just went into the, the White Chapel, I think it was, and got married in Vegas. Oh, like the traditional like one that you see? Yeah, we went in. There was a That's very funny. famous minister married us, this redheaded chick married us, who was married to a lot of famous people. I thought that was kind of cute. But it was just him and I getting married in a Vegas chapel. And then we basically got in the U-Haul and went to Nebraska. I mean, but we were legally married, yeah. All right, got you. So we get to we get to Nebraska, right? And um, I mean, it was the weirdest experience for me. I'd look around and I wouldn't see any hookers anywhere. There were no strip clubs anywhere. There were no adult clubs anywhere. There was no pimps. There was no prostitutes. It was when I moved out there in the early ninety, you know, ninety four. 
you know, there were no prostitutes. There weren't. They were not there. And you know why? Farmers won't buy it. Farmers will not buy pussy. They're cheap. You know, there's, I mean, <laughs> I, I would laugh. Now, John, I will say this about John used to tell me, because I remember coming home one night going, aren't there any hookers in Omaha? And I mean, he would tell me that every bar in Omaha has got women giving it away. He goes, with that many women giving it away, why on earth would guys pay for it? You know? So you hear that in the bra- Omaha stuff. giving it away? That should be on their well, fucking. Changed. That should be on their sign. This <laughs> <laughs> thing has changed, but when I moved out there, there was no prostitution out there. Okay, now it's changed, but we're talking '94, right? Okay, because I remember, like I said, it was culture shock for me. So it was kind of, but that's kind of why I kind of like it when I get out there for Gabby. I thought it'd be good for Gabby to be raised in this kind of environment. Yeah, anyway, Ellie's it's insane. changed. You know, it was it was really a fresh start. But the internet, let me tell you, the internet has changed things. Believe it or not, the internet was born. Okay, because all of a sudden the internet is like launched, and AOL starts getting launched. Because and I remember, I had the computer because of the hotline. You know, I had this database in my computer of all the phone numbers of everybody in our hotline in this database, okay? So I've got the computer and I've got this database and that's how I'm referring people. Like if you call me, you know, like I said, from LA, I've got, I pull up LA numbers and I'm starting to try to do email. I started getting calls saying, have you ever heard about Craigslist? I love I'm Craigslist. Like, what the hell's a Craigslist, you know? Yeah. And they said, well, it's like a classified ad online. And I'm like, okay, and? So I'm start hearing to the grapevine that all the prostitutes have started advertising on Craigslist. All of a sudden, I'm seeing all these adult ads that used to be in like Playboy or Screw or whatever. They're now running these ads on Craigslist, okay? Screw. <laughs> Everybody's just, yeah, Screw, Swing, you know, all LA Express, you know, all those things. Uh. Well, now they're advertising on Craigslist. So it's now become like the big thing. Because this is the way prostitution has always worked. It's like that corner or that bar, once the word spreads, that's where they all go. And they all went on to Craigslist. Okay, so what's happening is, of course, I'm curious about what the hell Craigslist is, right? And I'm getting on there, and they used to always put a picture on there. And I start seeing teenagers. And I'm like, I mean, they, okay, let's put it this way. In 95 and early 96, when I would go on Craigslist, I would see real, authentic pictures. Because most Johns, hobbyists, would insist that if it wasn't the picture that they saw on the ad, they wouldn't let you in the door. So, you know, it was an authentic picture. And I found it a goldmine because all of a sudden, again, remind you, I'm getting calls from all these mothers that are asking me, help me find my daughter. And I had been... Um, you know, mailing out pictures to certain towns, right, or making color Xeroxes and mailing them out and asking them to look around, right? All of a sudden, I'm looking on Craigslist, and I'm seeing pictures of that are really of these girls. So now I got mom sending me pictures, and I'm like, I would put the picture up on the wall that they'd send me of their daughter, right? And then I would go on Craigslist and then just, just go through the ads, for hours. I used to just, you know, hours, just 
go through picture, 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 boom. Oh, that's her, you know? And I mean, mm. now I also know that the pimps are recruiting out of these networks too. So, you know, and what is the National Center for Missing Children doing? They're putting up a poster at the local Walmart. Hmm, that's really helpful, right? <laughs> I mean, and you know, most of these girls, if these girls are with a pimp, that pimp is going to have her inside. And the only time she's going to come out of there is to get her nails done. That's it. So, you know, now with Craigslist, it was a gold mine, really, because the moms were able to send me the pictures and I could sit down with these ads and it would take a couple hours going through the ads and then boom, I'd get it. And then I would send the ad to the mother because the internet was so new that most of these moms did not have emails. I would have to send them over to Kinko's, which it was called Kinko's back then. I'd have to send them over to Kinko's and say, I'm sending you a printout and tell me if that is your daughter. And then, you know, yeah, I think it's my daughter. And I'd say, okay, let me make a few phone calls. And then, you know, it was actually getting quite streamlined by early 96. I mean, we were doing a pretty good brisk business of finding kids and getting them back home. I mean, it was amazing how I was like, I was like so thrilled with this Craigslist in the beginning. Because, I mean, they're putting the real picture out. I'm making a few phone calls and get these kids out. And do you want to go home? Yes. Okay, boom. I'm on the bus. Back to your mom. Okay, now. So I'm thinking we're doing a really good thing, right? Because, I mean, I start finding kids like a fucking assembly line. Boom, boom, boom. You know, kid, kid, kid. And I'm, like, getting pretty, like, wow, this is pretty exciting shit, right? I love it. And and if we needed an armed guard, I would hook up with these ex-military guys, and they might know a guy in Portland. I mean, it was all networking that we're getting this shit done, right? Now, the moms, when they're really, really, really digging, they're hearing about, hey, there's this hotline, this national hotline for hookers. She might know something. So, yeah, that's how I'm getting the calls from the mothers. They're saying, can you possibly help me find my daughter? So I'm like, okay, I'll ask around, you know. Anyway, this woman sits down, and she introduces herself as um, – she introduces herself, and she asks me if I know who Johnny Ghosh is. I thought it was a weird way to start out the conversation. His last name was uh, G-O-S-C-H, Ghosh. And I'm like, Johnny Ghosh? Who's Johnny Ghosh, you know? And now, if you read about what they did to Johnny, Go- Johnny Ghosh, that will really curl your hair. And she said, have you heard anything about, have you heard of the Omaha Franklin scandal? No, you know. And the story was, um, Franklin had to do with the name of a bank, Franklin Bank, if I remember correctly, um, that these politicians and these bankers used to get these um, sort of regular um, get-togethers. And at these regular get-togethers, they would bring in young boys. And do terrible things to these young boys. They okay, still do. and then and still do. And then these young boys would be trafficked, you know, sent out nationally to other pedophiles. Um, but they they were kidnapped and put into this network where they were then, yeah, like Michael and David, you know, same story I'm hearing, right? But then, you know, she's alerting me also that that this organized network is involved with politicians. This is one thing I hadn't really quite grasped before. I've heard of 
pedophiles, and I've heard they're important people, but I hadn't really heard how like politically connected this network was until everything she's enlightening me with about the Omaha scandal, including the fact nobody went to jail. She says, my son was trafficked through um, the Omaha Franklin scandal, and she said it was right here in Omaha. And she says, I think you need to know about this. And then she tells me her son is still alive. And I'm like, you've heard from him, you know, and, and that he was the, in this trafficking network. What's the story, though? What happened to him? I, um, I don't even know. Oh, I'm having to go off memory. God, it was so long ago. All I know is her her son disappeared at a very young age. I think like eight, something like that. He must have been eight years old. Mm. Um, disappeared. And um, now she tells me that she had all this evidence of where her son was and that he was still alive because he would evidently call her when he started to get about 13, he started calling her and she started putting together um, information on this network, on who was involved in this network and also where her son might be. And she said that ABC had come out saying that they were going to do a documentary on it and try to expose the network. Here we go again. Mm-hmm. She was like, oh, it's ABC. I can trust them. So she said she turned over all this original information to them. She said that they claimed then disappeared out of their office. Okay. So she's like, don't trust the media, especially ABC. Whatever you do, don't talk to ABC is what she's telling me. I'm like, okay, got it. You know? Um, she's got to be pissed. They had all this evidence, right? And then ABC just made all this evidence go away and, you know. And I'm like, I mean, I feel really bad for this mom. My mind was blown. I go to Joe and I go, have you ever heard of this Omaha Franklin thing? You know? And he goes, well, yeah, don't you know Boys Town is like right up? What? No, I didn't Boys even realize Town. Boys Town was right like there. I didn't know that either. I knew about it. I know it was in Nebraska. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it was a half hour from our house. And I go, John. Are you kidding me? Boys Town is here? He goes, yeah, it's right up the, you know, and I go, oh, my God. Because remember, I'd just gone through the death of David and Michael, too, who are telling me about what they're doing to boys in the U.S., right? And so, because when I'm putting together the hotline, i got to do resources. Of course, I was curious about Boys Town after this, right? So I called up Boys Town and just started saying, hey, you know, I run this hotline. I'd like to know more about your operation, yada, yada. I said, I'd like to come out and see your operation. Now, whenever <laughs> I, I get put on, get you have to make an appointment. Whenever I get told you have to make an appointment, I don't trust them. I want to be able to come to a surprise visit or you're up to something as far as I'm concerned, right? It's true. And I thought it was a legitimate request. Like, I run a hotline. I want to see what you do out there. Let me do a pop visit. No. I'm like, okay. So I was really suspicious of them to begin with, right? And Boys Town, then, just the fucking name of it. It's just like, you motherfuckers, dude. How long's that been Well, well Boys Town had this weird setup. I thought it was weird to me, where every house with the boys has house parents. What they do is they hire couples to be the house parents at these houses for these boys. And each house has about six boys in the house. And then they have these parents that they hire that's a married couple that live on site and parent these boys okay so of course when i'm getting to know them i'm saying i don't understand why don't you just place them with foster parents what's this house parent shit you know 
And, well, this is where we teach them how to live. And we have the parents, you know, model the behavior. What couple would take this kind of job? I said, I think you're asking for trouble. Who are you getting to do this? Have you thought about that? You know, and I, I mean, have you considered that? Like, who are you getting in here? Of course, they're just like, eh, and start shutting me down. I'm like, okay, you don't want to talk about this, then, do you? So they were not open to discussion with me on the fact that I thought they were going about it the wrong way. Okay? See, that's what made me remember about the Bosco Boys Society, is that when I was first, you know, starting all this stuff, right, there used to be this... um I don't know, they call it a building, an office. It was like a building. Um, and they called it Bosco Boys Society. It was right off um, of Sunset Boulevard in L.A. I went out to the site, and I said, I want to see your place. I want to see what you got going on before I refer anybody to you. And I'm looking around the place, and I'm going, because when you'd go in there, you'd see all these boys ringing around that were like 12, 13 years old. And all the only adult in this place was this old man that looked like Chester the Molester. And I'm sorry, you can tell what most Chesters look like, right? Hmm. You know, and you can tell the guy is smoking pot and drinking, and he's around kids. And and he goes, oh, well, they're only here for a few days until we ship them out to the desert. I'm like, the desert? He said, yeah, we've got this, you know, home that we send them to in the desert. They're just here temporarily until we can arrange transport. And what he was doing was he was getting the boys, like, off the street kind of thing. And I'm looking at this guy going, mm-hmm. So I would ask him, well, I'd like to go see the place out in the desert. And he starts giving me the two-step. You know, I didn't buy it. No, it, it was some weird cover. And it tied into the, the Boys Town thing, because the Boys Town's also connected up with the Catholics. 